What is up, beautiful Dynasty Leaguers? Welcome back to the Dynasty Dynamic. I'm your host, Max Cascons, joined by the man who's in a new league every single time I talk to him, a.k.a. the Run DMC, a.k.a. Mr. Dan McAuliffe, and by the man who is always, always in win-now mode. You can catch him drafting Mike Davis in the seventh round of your local startup. That's right, I'm talking baby. about <laughs> at DFF Moose, a.k.a. Mr. Mike McAuliffe. Gentlemen, how are we doing tonight? Doing well, Max. Looking to uh, probably trim down on a few leagues, apparently. In fairness, I think I haven't joined any new ones. I'm just starting to slowly let you know about more that I joined over the past two to three years. So um, it's going well. Otherwise, I'm, I'm excited to be able to chat through what we're talking about today. Dynasty Twitter is on fire with hot takes and player mm-hmm. valuations, etc. So we figured it'd be a perfect time to be able to uh, uh, talk about some players in particular uh, going into this offseason. Definitely, yeah. The, the hot stove is, is getting hotter. We're like three weeks away now from the draft, right? I know my leagues, the the, the couple I'm in, I'm definitely I'm trying yeah. my best to not say yes to more Dynasty Leagues, but I know I'm going to cave within the next uh, month or so. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's definitely seen some trades going on, more more chatter. It's it's really fun to see. You, you have to be in a lot of leagues if you want to analyze this stuff, and I think we've all found that out the oh, hard no. way. Right? Exactly, Max. It's because, called research. Uh, <laughs> it's called research well we did some research for tonight's show that is for sure so to frame it up uh well let me get this out of the way first tweet of the week at blanche double zero we will get that up on twitter and post it in the show description but to dan's research point tonight we wanted to do a show for the people by the people so we got a couple trades that we've all made recently in our respective leagues And then just some other kind of trade scenarios that we were kicking around that we've seen across other leagues on Twitter, whatever. So let's get right to it tonight. And whenever we're looking to the wisdom of the crowds, you know, we're going to fire up Mike's burner account. So (laughs) first trade is Mike's. Um, And I will frame it up here real quick. So this was Joe Mixon and a 2024 second. For Antonio Gibson, Mike, walk us through the results real quick and then uh, start defending your trade, I guess. Yeah, totally. So um, just just to remind everyone the way that we frame these up on the, uh, the DFF Moose account, it's basically we'll throw the trade up and then there's four different options, whether you like side A by a lot or by a little or you like side B by a lot or a little. So it gives a little bit more scaling to it, see what people really think. Um, so yeah, in this trade, uh, this was a trade done with a good friend of the show, Ethan Gilbert. So shout out Ethan, uh, always a pleasure to trade with, um, looks like not in- always, but yeah, we'll yeah. let that, <laughs> yeah. no doubt, no doubt offered no. me like a third rounder for Matty ice the other day. He's, so you gotta, let's, let's... you gotta throw him out there every, every now and then the trash trades. But, um, with this one, it looks like, uh, the crowd seemed to be in my favor on this one. So, uh, Mixon and the 2024 second uh, one out um, it, that makes it in 2024 20, second by a little one out with 54% of the vote. So over half of the people just taking, taking that side of the deal by a hair. So if I can just kind of walk people through my thinking on this and why I made this trade, essentially, particularly with this team that I've got going on right now, I've definitely, as you said at the beginning of the show, Max, definitely in a bit more of a win now mode where, uh, you know, I feel like Gibson is still at the point uh, in his career where, uh, people are really putting a lot, a lot of value on him, which is great because I am a huge fan. I love him as a player, but 
I definitely have some concerns with him moving forward. I definitely think that uh, J.D. McKissick going back there is not good news for him. I think that uh, Riverboat Ron definitely has uh, some plans to have him be the the pass catcher yet again. I don't think Gibson's going to have a, a three-down uh, role necessarily locked in uh, like some people are pricing him in to have. And also, he did lead the league uh, amongst running backs in fumbles last year with six. So he's not given his team too many reasons to give him that full-blown workload. And then on the other side of this, you have Joe Mixon, who just coming off of a top five season, um, you know, still only 25 years old, going to be turned 26 heading into the season. I just think that the arrow is only pointing up for him right now. That improved O-line, a lot of people with Mixon for years. It was obviously he had that injury year, but a lot of the time it was just the situation that he's in right now is crappy. And that situation is no longer very crappy. It's definitely, uh, I'm, I'm liking what I see moving forward. I think he has two to three more, uh, you know, top 10 finish uh, type of seasons in him. Uh, and then, you know, that that second round pick, particularly this is a 14 team league. So I swapped a second round pick for a fourth round pick two years from now. And I feel like that could definitely pay some dividends in the future. Dano, we in agreement here, buddy? I'm going to uh, I'm going to have to go on the Mixon side as well here. Uh, I, I love uh, that Joe Mixon finally uh, keeping the candle lit for him to be healthy, really uh, be the type of running back that we've always wanted him to be. Um, there's not too much of an age difference between uh, Mixon and Gibson. You're definitely rewinding the clock uh, going back to Gibson there. Um, but Joe Mixon just put up an RB4 season in PPR. Uh, and all they did was improve the overall offense and the offensive line there. So in my book, being able to get someone who just did that in a win-now mode and tack on a second just to be able to kind of buffer some of the age value there makes perfect sense for me. I, I honestly, I understand the Gibson side. Um, I've been vocal. I've never been the huge uh, oh, Gibson fan as compared to others. <laughs> but come on, people. Carson Wentz just made uh, Jonathan Taylor the RB1, and it absolutely was entirely because of Carson Wentz. So if you look now, <laughs> I'm just drawing parallels. Gibson's going to have the best year of his life That's because right. Carson Wentz can only throw at the line of scrimmage. So there's a good chance you might actually see uh, Gibson uh, continue to do well. But I do worry about the McKissick stuff. Uh, I do worry about his health. Uh, and so to me, I just, I prefer uh, Mixon over Gibson just generally. So to get a second on top of it, I'm all fair game. We are seven minutes into the show and I get to play my favorite role on the show, which is to go against <laughs> the consensus here. So, and I want to frame this up. First of all, Mike, shame on you for jumping off the Gibson train here because we've been holding strong. You were the one texting me, not <laughs> the know. other way around saying, Hey dude, Antonio Gibson's really good. Right. And I was like, yes, he Mike, is really good. <laughs> Mixon is really and I good. Say too. <laughs> what I'm about to say, wearing number 28 from the Bengals right now. This is true. Okay? And if you are looking at this purely projecting into next season, I don't think it would shock anybody. If Joe Mixon, probably a top 12 running back again. But when I look at this and how I build a lot of my dynasty teams and the things that I'm looking for, I think we've seen Mixon's ceiling. We've seen it last year. And, you know, do you get those repeat years from running back? Absolutely. Sometimes, especially in a loaded offense like that. But I do not think we've seen close to Antonio Gibson's ceiling yet. And if I can buy back some years in a position that is notorious to flame out in the 27, 28-year-old range. Sure. Antonio Gibson playing through a fractured shin last year, number six in rushing yards, number 16 in receptions, 
At number 14 in juke rate, making people miss basically with only one and a half legs. Give me Gibson. I think it's very close. Um, and I can see the argument for both sides. The future 2024 picks, I'm not really factoring it that in that heavily right now. Sure. Give me the guy that I think has the best chance to produce at a high level for the next two to three years, and I will take the Gibson side. Please and thank you. All Love right. It. Interesting enough. So already some fireworks, but Dan, let's move on to another big running back trade. So this was one that came from the uh, the Run DMC account. The 103, Dalvin Cook and Alexander Madison for the 101, 2023 first and Khalil Herbert. And I, I already jumped ahead because, Mike, you're the poll guy. Tell us what Twitter said. Yeah, totally. So um, this one was definitely a little bit closer. Or, or actually, I should say, with with this one, we have two top results that are pretty close to each other. Um, the first one is going to be winning out is, is the 101, 2023 first in Herbert side by a little with 38%. But close behind that is uh, the 101, 2023 uh, first and Khalil Herbert by a lot with 35%. So a large majority are siding uh, with you on this trade, Dan. Right on. So Dan, yeah. yeah, I don't think you have a lot to defend here, but uh, <laughs> by all means. Yeah. Well, yeah, I'll, I'll keep it short. I mean, this podcast uh, li- listener group knows how we feel about Brees Hall and his uh, potential going into this year. There's still so much more um, to shake out with the drafts too, right? We're going to see if there's any other kind of shakeups there, but I'd rather right now go into that uh, position having the keys to the uh, Brees Hall Corvette, as we've uh, as we've said before. Um, or if something random pops up, just gives me some some flexibility, at least, to potentially shift around if I needed to there. Um, but Max, as you said, I mean, you start to see the wheels fall off at the running back position at a certain age. I love Dalvin Cook. We're talking about uh, guys who we own um, jerseys for, and the, and the few that I have, Dalvin Cook is right up there. He was always one of my favorite running backs, one of the first guys I always really talked about and hyped up at the very early stages of this podcast. Um, but you got to know when to hold him, know when to fold him, and know when to walk away. And this was a opportunity to be able to reset my team on a team that I think is good, but probably still needs a few more pieces in, in, t- in order to be the, the contender in the future. Um, so it was just kind of refactoring the investment a little bit. So I'm stoked to be able to do it. Uh, it's still felt very good for the uh, the other team I was trading with that actually does have some good pieces in place and was in dire need of a running back. So I love when it's a win-win um, for, for both sides, at least when it comes to their needs. But I uh, could not be more stoked to be able to have the opportunity to draft uh, Brees Hall in the next coming draft and then see where the uh, 2023 uh, first lands. Uh, if it ends up being early, then I'll be very happy about that. Yeah, a little advice to any dynasty teams out there that are RB needy and have the 101, just hit the button on Brees Hall. But uh, Mike, anything to add here or can we move on to the next one? Because I'm in full agreement on Dan's side. Yeah, I don't I don't have a ton to add here. I do think it's it, it, it could be, uh, you know, seen as a pretty, pretty darn close closer. I think it's closer than what the wisdom of the crowds uh, said, I guess, because with Cook, you have that built in. Um, that built-in handcuff there where the, the other person's getting Madison in that deal. And then with that 103, you're looking at, what, Drake London, Traylon Burks, or Malik Willis or something in a super, a super flex league. So, you know, time time will tell how that, that trade plays out. But definitely, I, you can't feel nothing but great about getting Brees Hall there. All right. So to bring it home with my latest trade, I finally awoke from my dynasty slumber of the lazy dynasty <laughs> owner that I am. So 
This one was Amon Ross St. Brown, the 209, the 401. This is a 14 team league, by the way. Flipped for a 2023 first. So, Mike, where did we come in on this one? Yeah, so th- this is one that seemed to be much closer um, than the past two. So, uh, with first place, we got the Amon Ra St. Brown 209 and 401 side of the trade by a little with 36% of the vote. But then right behind that, uh, 34% of people would take that 2023 first by a little. That's what I like to hear. I mean, even <laughs> trades are what I do. I don't like to waste people's time in Dynasty. I just throw out an offer that I think works for both sides and and go from there. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, I think you know the other person won the trade, and I'm an idiot. Um, so no, <laughs> the reason that I am selling Amon Ra right now, I like Amon Ra. I think he's a great player. Um, I just think be wary of guys, especially the wide receiver position. Um, definitely for running backs too, though. That flash big time for five or six games and then are ultra hyped going into the next season like process play for me i'm selling those guys and that's exactly what i did here i think with amon Ra, a little added context if i'm going to defend this a bit more is his production was like the last six weeks of the season he was absolutely lighting it up just so happened to coincide with when dan's boy deandre swift a monster pass catcher that he is was sidelined yep. TJ Hawkinson, uh, you know, guy that we've long, you know, just loved on this podcast was sideline. And if I remember off the top of my head, even like Jamal Williams, right? They were down to their third string running back. Amon Ra was the only game in town. They've already added DJ Chark. They are mocked in a lot of places to draft a wide receiver. I'm just willing to hit the reset button. That 2023 class, especially a first rounder is looking very, very good right now. I'm happy to sell at this price. Did I do it right, boys, or did I do it wrong here? I I would say that you did it right, uh, personally. I, I think, you know, you, you can't really project where that uh, 2023 first is going to land. But like, as you mentioned, the draft class is looking very strong right now. Um, you mentioned with with those other guys being out, it definitely opened up um, a lot of playing time for or, or target target share for Owen Ra. And, you know, they got DJ Chark coming in there where I know that's another guy that the, the, this podcast has definitely liked uh, over the years. He's definitely um, got a prove-it deal now at this point. And they also have a lot of picks in this draft, uh, the Lions do. They got, obviously, the number two overall, but then they got, I think, the 32 and the 34 as well, which could be, you know, prime prime time to grab a wide receiver there. So um, I just think hitting that reset button, like you said, Max, I, I do like your side of the trade, but... I could still see Omon Ra being a, a top, you know, top 25 kind of guy uh, for sure. But, you know, you get that value with the first. Yeah, I, th- I think that's all it comes down to is where's your best potential to get someone who could become a top 12 talent. And that's with, in, in my pr- opinion, the 2023 first. Uh, I think Omar can absolutely return some great value uh from a depth perspective this is no knock on the type of talent that he is i I actually i liked him um kind of going into the draft but it it wasn't now at the valuation that you're seeing with him he's getting the same type of hype as you're seeing like with a gabriel davis right it's the it's the what have you done for me now syndrome that you see them go off at the very end for a few games um but there's no promise that that's going to return in the new season with so many other changes that are going to come along 
Um, so in it's hard to sometimes bet on the nameless, faceless pick uh, where you don't know exactly where it's going to land. But I can guarantee you those 2023 firsts are going to be harder and harder to come by as we even reach the end of this offseason. Because as soon as people have done their 2022 rookie drafts, then it flips to 2023. People are flipping the page and starting to think about that value there. Uh, and you're going to see a class that I believe easily uh, is going to have some very good talents within the first um, round, even if it is a 14 team. Oh yeah. I mean, as soon as Bijan Robinson is back on television, people are going to tune in to the 2023 class. hundred percent. Yeah. I think it's an even trade overall made with Wes, obviously guest of the show. Um, But I, I obviously wouldn't have made it if I didn't think it was good. So I will take my side. Let's move on to the hypothetical trades or the trades that we're not personally involved in. So, um, this one is near and dear to Mike's heart because it's got his guy. So Terry McLaurin and the 303 versus Elijah Moore and moving up a couple spots to the 209. Mike, where did the Twitterverse weigh in on this one? Yeah, like you mentioned, Max, it's it's really that pick swap. We could even just, you know, neutralize that and call it McLaurin versus Elijah. But with this one here, uh, looks like the, the winner here is going to be 39% of the vote going to Elijah Moore in that uh, 209 pick um, which I know personally I this is a tough one because while McLaurin is my guy Elijah Moore is 22 years old and what he did last year showing in that Jets offense um, you know just how much of a weapon he can be for them I don't I don't know man I'm I'm, I'm torn I definitely think that even though it is the Jets and we we historically don't have the highest hopes for uh, the efficiency of their overall offense. I, I think I might actually take the Elijah Moore side. And this was a trade that, you know, I possibly have been, been mauling over to, I know it's a hypothetical here, but I've had this kind of trade offer come across the table and I'm having a hard time uh, giving up Elijah Moore for McLaurin. So I think I'm, I'm going on that side by a hair. Dan, what say you on the Terry McLaurin trade? Uh, it is hard. And I think, again, we, we I spend a lot of time uh, kind of either thinking of, of these or plotting these types of trades because they are so close and they're hard to kind of uh, decide, on, um, decide on which one. But for me personally, um, this is Elijah Moore. Uh, I'm going to wow. rewind the clock. That is not what I expected <laughs> yep. you to say. I'm, I'm going Elijah Moore here. Uh, I really do like that talent. In 11 games he played, he was wide receiver 49. Uh, so again, that's a higher number than to, to get really excited about. But 11 games, the dude was really rocking in the middle of the uh, of the season there. And I know we like Terry McLaurin, and he is a solid player. But in looking back at what he's accomplished, in PPR, he was a wide receiver 25, wide receiver 20, wide receiver 29. We're not talking about a guy who's really broken that top 12. Uh, I mean, heck, he's barely broken the top 20. Uh, We've always had these built-in excuses of he's been on a bad team, blah, 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 blah. Quarterbacks haven't been able to get him the ball, unrealized air yards. But now that he's 26, I can't keep giving excuses like that knowing that there's time on his side to be able to fix that. They've got Carson Wentz. I'm not going to say that Carson Wentz is going to be fixing the Terry McLaurin problem. There's been talks about trades, etc., but Elijah Moore was doing really well. It's a Jets team that still has to figure it out a little bit, but you were winding the clock four years for someone that I honestly think could probably have a better chance of finishing ahead of Terry McLaurin this coming year. 
um, I'm going to take that all day, especially, again, we were saying the picks don't matter too much, but especially if I'm getting to move from the third to the second, to me, that's uh, that's that's the seal the, seals the deal there for me. And I'm going to, um, in maybe atypical fashion, um, go with the more potential than the proven talent on this particular trade. Look at us, Dan. I know. Who thought we'd be here? <laughs> was this this <laughs> Not freaky me. Friday? <laughs> this Not freaky me. Friday. Because Look at us. I'm going. I'm going Terry McLaurin. Yeah. And the same sort of game theory applies here to what we just. I what kind of I just laid out with the Amon Ra piece. Right mm-hmm. now, don't get me wrong. Elijah Moore, much better prospect than Amon Ra. Right. Played yeah. in the SEC. Had ridiculous competition. Played with Dawson Knox. DK, I can't believe I mentioned Dawson Knox first. Uh, <laughs> Dawson Knox, Dawson Knox, and Dawson Knox. Uh, no, it was DK Metcalf and AJ Brown on that monster Ole Miss team. Um, where I'm at with this, and you already nailed this point, Dan, is just thinking of pure comps in terms of like what we want guys to be. He reminds me a lot of early career Allen Robinson, right? Where it's just like, don't get me wrong. Terry McLaurin didn't post that 1400 yard sophomore season with Blake Bortles, but it's like, can we get this guy a quarterback? Because he wins all over the field. He's winning on an awful team. And it's like, all we need is to take the next step forward. And if Elijah Moore was 24 years old, I don't even think this is a conversation. I think it's because he's 22 years old that it becomes way closer for me and buying those years back. Unlike Amon Ra, he had some like wide receiver top five finishes last year. Yeah. But some of those weren't even with Zach Wilson on the field. I think it was Mike White <laughs> slinging the ball. Yeah, and Joe White Flacco White maybe exactly. for one of those. <laughs> maybe, maybe. So I, I think here's, here's where it is for me. I think it's razor thin, but I am actually, for maybe once in my life, going to lean on the production side I think Terry wins all over the field. You can lock him in basically as a wide receiver too. And you're not dealing with that. Okay. We saw it for five games. Is it going to look the same next season? Because let's not forget Corey Davis was banged up last year. Um, Jamison Crowder. I mean, he hasn't played a full season in forever. So Elijah Moore was also the only game in town for a little bit. So I would feel much safer investing in a player like, Elijah more than I would in Amon Ross St. Brown because of profile and the ceiling that we've already seen. But Terry McLaurin, I think is a true wide receiver. One, I think Elijah more all 178. Okay. I know what you mean. (laughs) Archetype, archetype wide receiver. Um, I think that the 178 pound speedster going to be a little bit more boomer bus and I will stack the chips on Terry McLaurin. All right, there we go. Little, uh, little nice. discourse between the, uh, the two sides here. I like it. I I do like it. So let's let's keep it rolling because this one is spicy. This was Oof. the second hardest one for me of these that we laid out. So, in one corner, we have the aforementioned Ole Miss superstar, DK Metcalf, and in the other corner, we have newly minted Chiefs wide receiver Juju Smith Schuster. Plus the 201. So, Mike, where did we land on the numbers here? Yeah, so it, it looks like one side, 100% one out here. Um, Metcalf, by a lot, got 53% of the vote. In close behind that, at 33% of the vote, Metcalf by a little. So, if you're talking to the Twitter crowd, they are going DK all the way. It seems it, huh? That's <laughs> this wild. This is interesting. Dan, give me your thoughts here. I mean, so here's the thing. I understand because Juju has been dead to a lot of Dynasty Leaguers 
for about a year and a half uh, because of his inability to continue to return on investment for where people were getting him after his breakout um, year. So he has been definitely off the radar, whereas Metcalf, I mean, again, we've when we had our um, episode talking about our top five dynasty wide receivers, he was in top five, if not right outside the top five, just based on profile situation, etc. It's interesting now, however, to take a look at these situations, right? Because you have Metcalf, who has succeeded very well for the past two seasons. You have a wide receiver seven season the year before, and then the most recent wide receiver 14 uh, in PPR with Russell Wilson, who has now been traded in for the shiny new Drew Locke on the Seattle Seahawks there. <laughs> I think I see where Dan's going with this, and I'm, I'm interested. <laughs> and now you have Juju Smith-Schuster, who has, albeit a, a bizarre contract that he signed with the one-year deal. I get it with broadcast stuff. There's going to be some big changes going into the 2023 uh, season there that's going to make it more lucrative for some um, uh, wide receivers. So to be able to maybe only take a one-year makes sense. But he's going to Pat Mahomes. Literally, like, no arguments, one of the top three quarterbacks in the league, if not best quarterback in the league by many people's standards. So I, this is an interesting situation to now look at, okay, do we heavily weigh on the past where we have seen Juju Smith-Schuster, let's remember people, still have a wide receiver eight season with Big Ben, now being able to get that quarterback upgrade and be on a fantastic offense, or do you go with DK Metcalf, who is now in a not great situation with Drew Locke? And I, I'm so unbelievably torn that this is probably one of the harder ones that I have. I'm still going DK Metcalf on this. Oh, okay. okay. I thought you were really <laughs> slow rolling the juju play there. I needed to build it up a little bit, but I, like um, slow I think it's closer than what this poll indicates is really what i'm trying to get across is i understand the metcalf side uh mentally but i also feel like it is interesting to see that 86 percent of the total vote is like no thank you to juju <laughs> even with a big big swing of his not having it whereas i i'm very curious now because it might i have to go metcalf on it because i still believe that he is just a a better chance of being a future wide receiver one whereas we've had the whole juju needs some talent surrounding him but I still think it's closer than people uh, might have indicated here. So that's my that's my little story for today. I rest my case. That was some good radio. A little <laughs> narrative sweep there. Mike, where where are you coming down on this one? I mean, I, I'm I'm coming down with the Metcalf side. Um I I will say it's it's extremely close and I honestly don't have a lot else to say that Dan didn't already just bring up there. Um for me, it really is. I know that Juju's with Pat Mahomes, and he's an extremely talented receiver. I think if Tyreek Hill was still uh, on the Chiefs right now, this would be a slam dunk. I'm taking uh, Juju in that 201 right now. But really, with more target competition, yeah, you want Juju? A guy taking it with 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 Tyreek Hill and Kelsey taking away most of the coverage. I think that Juju would absolutely flourish in that type of situation. I think he's the perfect piece to, to be able to catch balls over the middle. I just, you know, I don't know. I, I just, I think that he's a, he's a couple years removed. Um, you know, also with that contract situation, I think that some, um, I think he's getting like a hundred K per TikTok. I believe that was built into the contract. <laughs> Get out of here with that. <laughs> oh, but uh, here- no, I just, I, I, 
for me, I'm not worrying too much about Metcalf's current QB situation because the dude is what, 24 years old. So I yeah. am taking a little bit more of a, of a long-term approach here where Metcalf has just proven that he is that, that alpha that is just, I, I can't imagine not taking him here when you're banking or crossing your fingers that Juju is able to put it together and basically lead their wide receiver core. So, yeah, I'm kind of blown away that this was such a landslide. I didn't agonize over this one. That one's coming up two polls from now. Um, but I mean, I, what ultimately when I was working through my decision-making is first of all, this poll tells me go buy Juju because he's relatively cheap. I'm going to start sending some trade off. Absolutely. Right now. That is a big, big um, thing here. Yeah. But I mean, the the ghosts of 201's past is what really got me here, right? Like, would you, Dan, last year, would you rather have Juju Smith-Schuster and Terrace Marshall or uh, DK Metcalf, right? Yep. So it's, it's two kind of probably best case scenario, middle of the road type of players, um, with Juju certainly having some more upside baked in there, right? Yep. If he recaptures form. But if we're looking at, you know, Metcalf's, current QB situation. We also have to be looking at Juju's because it's only a one-year deal. So he has Pat yep. Mahomes exactly. maybe for one year. Yep. Plenty of uncertainty there. Um, I'm on the Metcalf side of this. I thought it would be way closer. But give me the best player in the deal, and that's DK Metcalf. Uh, looked it up. Still last year, number 20 in fantasy points per game, despite Russell Wilson's worst statistical season in the last half decade, mm. plus some games with former i want to say west virginia superstar geno smith maybe i'm wrong <laughs> but yeah it um it was not good so anything else on metcalf dan you looked like you wanted to say something before just, we move on. just one quick thing because i'm interested in you guys's take now with it it's the tyreek hill thing of him before we were kind of hyping up like oh he's got a wide receiver one uh, to be to the wide receiver two alongside because that's where he was successful with an Antonio Brown and then him being able to be uh, opposite of him. But then there's also this narrative is there's no such thing as the wide receiver two in Kansas City because you had Tyreek Hill and you have Travis Kelsey. So is there still a chance? Because Michael Hartman's like, trash. <laughs> <laughs> Believe me, that, uh, there's other reasons why that narrative exists, right? But like yeah. the target share as a whole, like you had Kelsey taking up a lion's share of targets because he actually basically is a wide receiver. So is there still, does he still kind of have his counterpart to be able to draw enough coverage? Because, like, you're not talking about a normal tight end. You're talking about Travis Kelsey, who very well can put up a target competition and just, like, draw defenses away to still give Juju that over-the-middle-of-the-field type of, like, gameplay that we are looking for from him. So just a quick landing thought, because it is funny. We've always seen those two narratives. Juju needs a wide receiver uh, one to be able to succeed. And there's no such thing as a wide receiver two in Kansas City because of Tyreek Hill and Kelsey. I'm just very interested to see how it plays out. Uh, and again, a further reason why I think you should be buying low on Juju because I think there's some gray area that there's a big opportunity for him, him to succeed there. And the price is apparently damn cheap to go get him. Well, to quote the great Michael Scott, Dan, my weaknesses are actually my strengths. <laughs> and with Juju, I mean, he is the, because Travis Kelsey is really a wide receiver one, right? Yeah. That makes the wide receiver, what would be the wide receiver one position in Kansas City, the wide receiver two. So anybody playing the two spot is really the three. So Juju is technically right now the wide receiver two, playing the saying. wide receiver like one that. role. And I tend to, like, there's different ways you can spin this argument, right? Right. Is it better to have an alpha target 
drawing double coverage, which you don't see a ton. You don't see as much double coverage in the NFL as you used to. So yeah. that I think is a myth that's kind of fading away a little bit. For sure. Um, but is it better to have somebody else the defense needs to worry about? Or is it best to have the offense to yourself? You're probably going to get more targets if you have it to yourself, but you're probably going to be more efficient if the defense can't focus in on you. So I kind of come in on the other side of what Mike was saying, where I would not be as, I wouldn't think Juju's ceiling is as high with Tyreek Hill because there's only so many targets and those two have commanded them historically. So I think if anything, Juju will hopefully command a higher target share still be efficient because Travis Kelsey is still the best weapon in that offense. That's that's the picture I was trying to paint there. So exactly right. That's that's kind of what I wanted to, to toss out there because I think now might have actually helped him with the whole Tyreek Hill thing leaving because he's still got Kelsey there. But only time will tell. We can only we can only go down narrative tr- streets so far until he actually has to step on the field <laughs> and you know, do something with that. You, you sucked um, me in with that one. Sometimes I roll hey, my eyes, but that one was a good one. <laughs> um, let's let's keep it moving with other Chiefs weapons? Question mark. Um, <laughs> straight up, this is a one for one. Who do you want in Dynasty? Rashad Penny versus the ghost of 101's past for some people. Not if you listen to this show, but for some people. Uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Mike, where did the Twitter public take us with this one? Yeah, who would have thought you'd be asking this question uh, two years ago? Oh, it's yeah, such right. a great moment for me, man. You <laughs> have no go, idea. Baby. So um, I, I actually didn't even look at the results of this before um, we started, but looks like our, our top pick here would be uh, Rashad Penny by a little with 39% of the vote. But... Um, CEH by a little coming in right behind that uh, at 32% of the vote. This is interesting, Dan. I'll give you first crack at this one. Yeah, I mean, it, it's I spent some time thinking about this one, most particularly because I wanted to find a way to get Penny in here for you, Max. Uh, but <laughs> secondly, I, I think it is so interesting to see where CEH is uh, after all this, and especially now after the Ronald Jones signing uh, over in Kansas City as well. It's, I mean, it's not a big move, but it's a move that kind of shows enough that I think they will continue to look towards uh, CEH for his pass catching. Um, But I think you're going to see the, like, previous mold of him being seen as, like, the one dude with pass catching upside now he might start to be relegated to like third down type of role uh and you have ronald jones who is not a great pass catcher uh by any stretch of the imagination but man he's a great north south runner uh he really is efficient uh in a lot of ways when he's able to just kind of be a bruiser so i think you're gonna see much more of a one-two punch there um and it's gonna limit more um ch's upside uh when than when he had the whole field to himself and still wasn't able to capitalize on it so in this scenario again i it's it's kind of void of like are you win now or are you rebuilding or whatever but if you're kind of middle of the road team what penny was finally able to do at the end of last season it was insane i think it was uh when you looked at like total yardage for the last five games of the year it was rashad penny leading the pack then it was Rashad Penny yards after contact. And then it was Jonathan Taylor. Like that's <laughs> insane. And again, it's so hard because it, the, it, 
um, injury history has been a bit of an issue with him. I shouldn't even say a bit of. It has been the major issue with Rashad Penny. Um, but Clyde Edwards-Hilaire in his limited uh, production has also been riddled with uh, injury that way. So I don't want to be- belabor it too much more, but uh, Penny earned his spot in this conversation here. Um, and I seriously think if I were wanting to be uh, more competitive going into next year, I'm going to take Penny over CEH. That Rashad Penny one and then Rashad Penny after contact stat is the only thing my legacy as a fantasy analyst will ever be. <laughs> yes. Like that is you've reached this the top, conversation Matt. right now is just I don't know what Mike just said. <laughs> I said you reached the top um, <laughs> pinnacle. Yeah, pinnacle. The pinnacle. Lonely at the top. Um, we don't need to. I don't need to talk. Right? It's Penny. I mean, the upside is immense. If there was no injury history, this vote would there wouldn't even be any votes for Clyde Edwards Hilaire. Right? And then there's <laughs> yeah. like some uncertainty i guess but like whether you're talking startups or one for one trade or this or that like where these guys are valued right now like who doesn't want that rb1 upside that rashad penny former first round san diego state superstar wants i mean it's it's there mike do you feel any differently or can we move on to the topic that i had the hardest time with yeah i won't i won't spend too much time here um it i, I will say as someone who has has definitely given some some crap to Clyde Edwards Alaire in the past on this podcast. I I might slightly lean him here. Um I What? I know. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I'm I'm going off of risk here. Baked in. You know, it's Clyde Edwards Alaire still is 22 years old, going to be turning 23 heading into next season. He's part of a better offense. Rashad Penny's on a one-year deal. The Seattle Seahawks have eight picks in the next draft where I envision them probably taking a running back. I just, I, I think, I think that the, the excitement from Rashad Penny last year was incredible to see. And I could 5,000% be wrong in not thinking that that's going to continue into next year. I'm just saying that I don't, I don't think it's a, by any means, a far and away, um, you know, stamp of approval for Rashad Penny when CEH still has some relevancy. He's still on the Chiefs. He still has two more years on his rookie deal. I think that there's a slight possibility, just as much as there's a slight possibility that Rashad Penny will actually make it through the season healthy. I think there's a slight possibility CEH musters up some sort of relevance again this year. Who knows? The look on Dan in my face is hilarious. <laughs> it is right funny. Now. I can't like, not be if, devil's advocate if was, after. <laughs> if there was another player, if this was like, you know, whatever, Ronald Jones or CEH, I might let this slide, but you made me do this, okay? Because I had stats for this. So do it. <laughs> Clyde Edwards Hilaire, since reaching the 101 when everybody should have been taking Jonathan Taylor, and we told you that, Dan and I told you that. He's lost playing time every single year as the season goes on. Like we're talking going from 70% snap shares to like 30% snap shares at the end of the year. I mean, Mike, they were giving Jarek McKinnon, Daryl Williams. Dan, help me out here. There were other chief running backs <laughs> oh, you guys are that involved. I mean, like everybody but Clyde Edwards-Hilaire was getting yep. touches at the end of the year. And that is not the treatment that a first round draft pick gets. Certainly. I mean, I think it is. I guess my point he, is he's that. only. Sorry, I cut you off. <laughs> no, 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 you're you're good. I can I can see the argument of like there's plenty of uncertainty with Rashad Penny. It's just like, I mean, we're trending towards dangerous territory with CEH. Like that uncertainty is there too. So, mm-hmm. 10 games, 13 games the last 2 years, 
I mean, like, it's just the opportunities aren't there right now. Yeah, I think it, uh, if, if I can explain even, and this might sound crazy, if I'm in a startup right now, I'm drafting Rashad Penny. If I am a team that has already drafted, and it's particularly, as Dan, you talked about earlier, Penny on a, on a contending team would be even more valuable. If I am holding CEH right now as a team, I'm not sure if I would go and trade him for Penny. That's that's I guess my my point is that I I believe that there's there's some hope to be held Mr. out. Mr. Win now wouldn't I, trade for hey, future RB one Rashad Penny. Th- hey, that's 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 just uh, just my take on this this one. I think there's there's just some concerns I have there for for his um, you know if he stays healthy, I definitely think that he's going to be their lead back going forward into next year. I just think there's a lot of concerns around that that fact. That's all. Sure. Yeah. The thing that hurts me the most is the age. It's 26 versus 22. Like that's, that's, we were just talked about it, right? With uh, Mixon and Gibson. Um, But the, the difference is it's kind of like, what do you want a hundred percent of, do you want a hundred percent of zero? Like if you have a 22, uh, each 22 player who is getting 0% of the snaps, it's like, I don't care how old you are if you're not getting the playing time. So Max, you you bring up that good point because it's like, if all things equal, they're both being viewed as their RB1s truly kind of confidently going into the next season, then age plays the factor where they both have enough time to, like, screw that up. Whereas Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is already climbing a mountain that is getting harder and harder to um, to overcome. So I, I def- Max is definitely on the farther end of the scale. I'm just over the line with Penny. And, Mike, it seems like you're just over the line with uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. But Barely. I can see both those sides i just i gotta go with penny a little bit more it's killing me that i can't think of that third other guy that they were giving carries last year but oh, anyway it oh, is, oh yeah. gore was, it was go Derek gore was that Der- Derek gore. Gore. Derek See? gore there we yep. go frank no. gore's son Derek. Gore. <laughs> um, shout out to frank gore by the way just oh, retired yes. and i mean one of my favorite running backs of all time i mean the, what he was an the truth. absolute historical the career truth. yeah he, he's he's a legend man so let's take it home, Mike. We had one last one. And Dan, you were immediately getting first crack at this. So <laughs> in one corner, we have the man that I maybe, I don't know, maybe maybe put a bad taste in people's mouth. His cost was so outrageous last year, still is. Kyle Pitts on one side. We have TE1 last year. Mark Andrews plus podcast favorite, Second round darling, Rondell Moore. Mike, bring us home. Last one. Where did Twitter go with this? Totally. So it uh, looks like the people have that that Pitts love that's been been around ever since last year's rookie draft. So Pitts by a little is winning out here with 39% of the vote. Uh, and then behind that, Pitts by a lot with 35% of the vote. So basically three out of every four people is going to go with uh, Kyle Pitts here. Dan, I said it. All You're right. First crack at it. This is hard because I do really believe it is very, very close. But Kyle Pitts is very hard to afford, and I think he's going to only become more hard to afford as the the year goes on. He hasn't proven to be the ultimate tight end one right in his rookie year, but man, did he prove a good amount, and he definitely – already started to break some some nice kind of records when it came to some of his receiving um kind of yards etc for his his season there so i personally am going kyle pitts here 
I really think Andrews and Moore is a great combo for value. But just like we were saying with like kind of buying into the unknown of like a, a 2023 first, like and just hedging and like knowing like the talent's there and it's going to need some time to develop, but it could be really huge. I still feel like we have not begun to see what Kyle Pitts can unlock uh, as a total value there. And especially being as young as he is in the positional value of an elite tight end. Um, it's hard. I'm hard pressed to say it, but I'm going to go Pitts by a little here uh, with the consensus. All right, Mike, where are you coming down on this one? Yeah, I I really think that I'm going Pitts by just a little bit here. Um, it really... Part of this is the unknown of Rondell Moore right here, which to some other people might be the the reason why you do take that side of the deal. Um, I think with with Mark Andrews, I think I when uh, we had a show where we were talking about tight ends, I made the case that possibly next year, you know, he could be considered the tight end one moving forward until Kyle Pitts, you know, officially unseats him. But um, I just think you know he's five years older than Pitts at this point. Which with tight end, obviously you got Travis Kelsey still kicking at at 32, 33 years old, so it doesn't matter quite as much. Um, and I really do, I really do think that Rondell Moore could impress some people. It's just going to depend on how he's used next year. Obviously, you got Christian Kirk leaving the Cardinals, which will open up some targets. DeAndre Hopkins will be coming back, but Moore was just very, very sparingly used at the end of last year. Uh, to the point where I have some pause as to whether or not he's just going to turn into kind of a special teams guy um, or a, you know, two to three uh, offensive snaps per game with a jet sweep and a, and a short pass. So I think that if you can, as Dan said, the price on Kyle Pitts is only going to get higher. And I just, I think that the chance that he has to just completely be a, a staple on um, or, or a first round pick moving forward in uh in dynasty and redraft i just think that the value is so huge there i'd want to take that side of the deal barely i think this was easily the toughest one out of all of them um and as somebody who notoriously does not invest in the tight end position i really had to put my thinking cap on (laughs) for for this one because i'm never getting near these guys in trade or startup the way i build my teams but i want you guys to just take a quick walk with me here okay so Kyle Pitts was the fifth most heavily targeted in in tight end in the league last year, right? Fifth most targets. Number two in air yards and number five in unrealized air yards. That said, number one in drops certainly has some room to improve. Mm -hmm. Um, And basically, an argument we were just talking about, had the offense to himself, right? And posted one of the best rookie seasons we've ever seen uh, from the position. Lack of TDs also just absolutely brutal. Um, But I mean, Matt Ryan's a great quarterback, like league average for sure, maybe better behind a competent offensive line. And Matt Ryan's out of town. And as somebody who kept the flame lit for Marcus Mariota long enough, uh, I'm not sure they're replacing that Matty Ice production anytime soon. So huge concern there for me right sure. i don't really know what the falcons are doing in general right yep, now is, from a team building fair. perspective and then we flip to the mark andrews side since he took the leap in 2019 he has been tight end five tight end four and tight end one in fantasy points per game so i guess the concerns there are does the man we believe in rashad bateman at least dan and i believe in 
Uh, and others finally starting to eat into that target share or is Mark Andrews continuing to be the Travis Kelsey of that offense? So with all that said, I put my thinking cap on and I'm taking Kyle Pitts and I'm not sure <laughs> it's the right answer. Yeah. Um, and there doesn't have, but to I'm be, taking Kyle Pitts here, right? Because it, that's, I love that. Some of these are so close that dynasty isn't always about winning the trade, by the way, people like you can find a way that don't tell that a, to my league. Mate. <laughs> seriously. <laughs> trade couch. But score. this is a great example of like, if you are, are competing, getting um, the immediate investment in uh, Mark Andrews, who's definitely going to have high dynasty value for a little bit still and great production in the next season or two, and then is still hedging your bets with a Rondell Moore or playing the long game and saying, hey, you know what? Maybe I'm not fully ready to compete yet. I want to get a tight end that is the tight end of the future. That's It's a razor's edge on some of these things. So I think we're both finding ourselves slightly on that pit side, but I think clearly we can see from the, some of the results like there's actually maybe not this one because people are really high on high on pits but like there's there's another flip side to this and andrews is awesome i i'm a little concerned about the uh the bateman um kind of explosion that we love to see uh going into next next year knock on wood um but that's my only kind of main reservation because otherwise andrews have proven himself time and time again and of all the titans we're talking about he's 26 26 so that's not old (laughs) that's literally entering prime years for tight ends so it, it is funny, but um, just just how close some of these things are. And it's been fun to chat about. Yeah, one more year for me. First of all, I tried to slow roll that Dan style. Clearly did not do as well as uh, Dan did with the slow roll. Make you guys think I was going Mark Andrews. But, um, <laughs> yeah, you know, man, it's just one season from Pitts. I've seen too many Austin Safarian Jenkins, Eric Ebron's, like these guys that went in the top 10 that – you know, just, I mean, like Pitts had the offense to himself and I, I am definitely worried that his production and those massive numbers for a rookie was a symptom of everything that was going on in Atlanta. But I just can't quit it, man. The athleticism, the pedigree, it, it, it goes, I'm, I'm getting so much better, Dan, at understanding <laughs> youth versus production. You and I have made both mistakes in what is the other's strong suit, right? Yep. We're both trying to get better at this. Exactly. Um, yeah, it's a tough one, but I'm but I'm going pits. Mike, I will give you any final words on the subject. I don't I don't think I have any. I think you guys said it all. Well then we'll get to your favorite final words in a moment. <laughs> that's right. Exactly. Because that's it. That's the show. Um can't really top Kyle Pitts, Mark Andrews debate. So getting out of here for today, this is the Dynasty Dynamic. You stay classy, Dynasty Leaguers. Thanks for tuning in. Milk was a bad choice. <laughs>